21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik. I started Pathfinder in 2015. It was August of 2015. Um, and I was actually working in a totally separate industry. I was working on yachts, believe it or not, working on boats. But I had an acquaintance who I knew locally who was selling on Amazon. And he approached me the one day because he knew my background and knew that I had worked in a B2B marketing firm doing Google ads. And he said, hey, there's campaigns on Amazon. I said, well, I'm an Amazon shopper. I don't think I've ever noticed any ads on there. And he said, no, no, there are. I said, okay, uh, let me take a look at your account. So that was the first time I ever signed into an Amazon account and then set up some campaigns. Now this was very, very early days. So the cost per click, you know, how much you'd pay for each ad click was incredibly low. I think we were paying anywhere from two to eight cents per click. And also his products were not in a very competitive category. So we started to see incredible ROI on that right away because his products were about $90 US. Um, so we get 10 clicks, even if one of those converts, you've spent 15 cents and you get a sale for $89 uh, is pretty incredible. <laughs> so that was my initial like um, eye-opening moment, if you could say that. Uh, I immediately got out of the other industry I was in. I actually moved back to my parents. I worked part-time at an Amazon warehouse, while at nighttime I would uh, work on client accounts and uh, yeah, basically learn everything I could about Amazon advertising, kind of taking my knowledge from the Google advertising world and, and moving it over. So that's kind of the genesis story of Pathfinder. And it seems like a long time ago now, but I remember it all quite clearly because I lived every hour of it. Can you share the Amazon warehouse experience? Yeah, sure. Um, I worked at the, it's a really, really hard job. Um, and it gives me a bit of an appreciation for the whole machine that is Amazon. And just to be clear, I was a seasonal employee. So they had um, something called peak, uh, which is basically the, the time of year when um, there's the most activity going on in Amazon. It's technically quarter four into the beginning of quarter one. And that's when everyone is going crazy and buying stuff for holidays. Um, of course you have like in the US, um, Halloween, Thanksgiving, New Year's, Christmas, and then the time when people are redeeming gift cards and you know, money you got from grandma, they're going and they're spending that on Amazon, you know? So that's considered peak. And that job was 10 hour shifts. It was incredibly physically uh, demanding. And I have a lot of respect for people who, who do those roles because I have a on the ground understanding of what it's like having worked there for, I think it was like four months total. It also paid quite well, uh, but I needed money to keep me afloat when I was uh, starting Pathfinder. Cause at first I didn't have um, anything, any other job prospects and wasn't about to take a job with another marketing firm because I thought, hey, I'm going to start my own thing. Um, so that was a good uh, in income to hold me over. But it did also mean, Martin, that I was Amazon 24-7. I worked at Amazon. I came home. I ate dinner. I worked at Amazon again, <laughs> just in a slightly different way. And what have you learned from that period of time in, in a matter of persistency or daily routine, daily rhythm, the importance of sleeping, anything from soft skills to personal development. So social skills and or personal development skills. 
Well, I think like a lot of things in life, you don't know how capable you are until you really push yourself to your limit. And then you find out, hey, I'm actually capable of doing these 10 hour shifts. And then on top of that, um, working on something that is intellectually stimulating and challenging because, you know, that job, it had elements of it where I had to think, but mostly you act as a machine. You know, you are responsible for following instructions and orders within a very clearly defined process and system. And I was good at it because I'm physically in good shape. So I was able to hit the quotas and sometimes even get bonuses. But that didn't demand anything of me from an intellectual capacity. You know, it was later when I was working on client businesses, having calls with them, understanding their product lineup, that I was able to actually do something with my brain um, and my very sore arms and legs, <laughs> which were resting, of course, at the computer. Um, and now that's where I spend most of my time, uh, whether that be for good or for ill. <laughs> What else is intellectually challenging and interesting, exciting to you besides the job per se? Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of things um, when you become the founder of a company that you never expect to do. Um, for instance, my focus this year has mostly been sales and marketing, right? Mostly marketing because we have a sales guy and he does well. It's just trying to make sure that his pipeline is full of leads, right? And when I originally started Pathfinder, I was the one doing the operations. I was the one um, managing campaigns and accounts. And I still do a little bit of that and certainly keep myself updated on it because it's very important to me and I think the continuation of the company. But now the challenge for me is understanding marketing. And some of these marketing principles are timeless. You know, These have been around for hundreds of years, maybe even thousands of years, depending on how far back you look. But if you look at the arc of Amazon advertising, it's only since 2014. So the skill set that I originally developed was for something that's uh, less than 10 years old. But the skill set that I'm trying to adopt and learn and, and understand now is, is much older. Uh, but I never kind of anticipated that when I originally started the company. Uh, but of course, any agency is going to have to do sales and marketing. We survived a lot on word of mouth and um, just the fact that there wasn't much competition in the early days. But that's far from the case now. There's dozens of really good agencies out there, um, maybe hundreds, um, and some of them are owned by really good friends of mine. And you know, we share um, we share a lot of information between us. But that still doesn't mean they're going to give us their clients, right? <laughs> we all have to find our clients independent of our own of our own efforts. So it started with word of mouth. And what is your business model today? How do you make money? Yeah, sure. So we have three primary things we do. Uh, the first one is still Amazon advertising. So anything related to that, um, that includes Amazon's uh, ad console, which is kind of their on-platform advertising, uh, DSP, which is demand side platform, Amazon DSP, which is kind of their display network. Um, those are the two primary channels that we, that we manage for clients. That's our primary means of revenue as a company. We also do a lot of uh, Google to Amazon. So now I'm going back to that Google um, advertising skill set again, and we have three or four people on the team who are very competent with that. So the whole idea there is driving traffic from Google and directing it to Amazon, which in some cases can actually be cheaper than driving that same traffic on Amazon. Um, but the conversion rate is lower. So there's a little bit of a trade-off there. Um, and then the last thing we do is what we call uh, like listing optimization, conversion rate optimization. So we kept finding that a lot of our clients um, had products that were not like their hero products, but some down catalog products, and they wouldn't be necessarily optimized to our liking. So we'd be sending paid traffic inside of Amazon and we'd say, oh, this isn't converting like we hoped it would because we know we can get better results for you. 
let us go ahead and um, you know change the title. Let us go ahead and do keyword research and redo your copy. Or here, let's take those images you have and like let's make them a lot better. Or let's even send them to someone who can get new photos made and then we can improve that. So those are the three primary areas we're concerned with. It's like things that are advertising and things that kind of relate to and touch advertising, uh, which I think in 2023 is kind of necessary if you want to be an Amazon agency because you can't do just one thing anymore. Um, and I say that as a guy that had an agency that did one thing for many years, <laughs> I no longer believe that's the case. I don't think it's sustainable anymore. So with, uh, with your 100% remote team that speaks over 11 languages, can you share your, let's say, uh, approach to building that re a remote team, maintaining a strong company culture, communication? I guess I have a couple of beliefs that have kind of governed how we as a company exist. So we've been distributed or remote, as some people say, since day one. Um, the first person I hired was at the end of 2016, and I'll never forget uh, doing the interview with him. I was in Japan at the time, and he was in Macedonia, where he's from. And uh, we did a uh, interview over, over all those miles and all that time difference, and he worked with me for many years and is still someone I keep in touch with. But my belief system looks like this, you know, hire people that are adults, treat them like adults, give them responsibility and empower them like adults. Don't try to micromanage people, which is really an illusion anyway, if you're talking about distributed teams and remote work. Um, you need to make sure that people are equipped to do what you've uh, paid them and assigned them to do, and then give them all the energy and power you can to make sure they can, they can do that stuff. When it comes to communication, we are heavily asynchronous. So people do have expectations for when they should or should not be online and available. But being online and available doesn't mean that you respond to me immediately, right? We're not interested in your fastest response. We're interested in your most thought out, most intelligent response. So that's probably a really key thing. I think sometimes if you look at remote work and asynchronous teams, whoever is like the fastest to draw their gun and, and, and type, you know, they're the one that has the most heard opinion. But just because you're the fastest typist or you're the one who's online the most doesn't mean that your opinion is any more valid or better than other people who maybe are focused on their work and then will come to Slack or whatever your application of choices for doing this and give their input later on. Um, so we, we value thoughtful replies and asynchronous communication versus just who's the fastest because um, that's, not, that's not really that um, meaningful if you, if you just look at everything through that rubric. Let's go a little bit into a concrete level of responsibility as a topic, having adults in your team. So in a transactional analysis, you have father, mother figure, you have same level and you have child figure. And there is the whole science of how to communicate with specific level to, to be on the same vibe on the same level of communication i'm trying not to go in too much into details and there is a question there is always a question who owns the pain so who who owns the pain in your organization if somebody if, if somebody screws up regarding the responsibilities what what was your learning through uh, last few years uh, did you 
had any any issues at all Yeah, and I want to actually uh, make sure I'm framing one thing properly, Martin, because I, I, while I say adults and like we hire adults, what I mean is I don't want to lead uh, kids around by the hand, right, and tell them like, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. I expect people to be proactive problem solvers and intelligent thinkers. And that's something that can be difficult to look for in interviewing, which is actually the reason why we have a two-month probation period. So we have someone come on and we say, hey, listen, um, we're going to be checking your work and watching you for two months, but we also expect you to hold us accountable and say, this is or this is not a place I like to work, or, hey, can you guys change how you do this? I think it would be better if it worked like that. We expect like a give and take and a back and forth. And the other analogy where I say adult and it kind of breaks down is I, um, you might hear at some companies like, oh, we're a family here, or like, man, this company treats us like family. I really don't like that. I actually think that's kind of creepy. I, I do not care for it. My analogy that I think is far better is a sports team or a professional sports team. Uh, specifically, I just use uh, football or soccer for Americans, right? Um, because I think that's one sport that everyone knows. So if you are a poor performing um, like um, fullback on a, on a football team and you can't really defend the goal very well, or if you're like a striker and you can't put any points on the board, you can't score any goals, like you're going to get cut from the team, right? So the same thing is true at Pathfinder, right? We expect everybody to do their part and we expect them to communicate while doing it. We expect them to follow the way that we do things at this company. We expect them to deliver for clients. And if they can't deliver, just like a professional sports team, they're going to be cut from the team. It's as simple as that. Now, do we make efforts with all team members to say, okay, your performance is flagging. We're going to put you on a program here and maybe it's like a second warning or a third warning and you know they get chances to redeem themselves and they get chances to move themselves from a b player to an a player yes that's all true but still at the end of the day if someone is not able to um, pick it up and deliver in the way we need them to then they're off the team this also means that everyone on the team knows that the people that are on the team can support them just as well as they would support them. So there's this kind of like mutual feeling of like, okay, this person has my back and I know because they're held to the same standards that I'm held to. Therefore, all of us are kind of on this equal playing field. And there's not someone that all of us has to roll our eyes and go, oh, there's Jim, he's always screwing it up. Now we all gotta go and save Jim again, right? People have had this experience at physical offices. I know I've had this experience at jobs in the past. Uh, many years ago, I worked at the Apple store and there was always like a handful of people in retail that were just bad, like they're bad at their job. And this feeling of having to go and save these people again and again is really uncomfortable because then you're doing like one and a half jobs, right? You don't want to do one and a half job. You want to do one job really well, and that's your job. <laughs> so that's kind of our philosophy on the whole team versus family dynamic, if you'll, if you'll call it that. How do you help brands optimize their advertising presence on Amazon and f share a few success stories? Sure. I mean, a lot of the clients that come to us, um, maybe they have someone internally who like part time is working on advertising and they're doing an OK job. And that's actually fine. Like we've had some clients come to us over the past couple of years that weren't doing any advertising at all. Now, that's more rare on Amazon because you kind of need advertising to at least um, have your top products like stand out and be found for top keywords because basically what you're paying for with advertising on amazon is visibility 
if your product is really good and it converts, then you'll get sales. But essentially what you're paying for is pushing your way to the front of the line and saying, hey, I'm here, uh, buy these gym shorts. Don't buy those gym shorts. Look at our great listing, right? Um, so a lot of the clients we have, they have someone part-time who's doing it, or maybe they're using a software. Maybe the founder, him or herself, is actually the one responsible for managing advertising, but it takes up a lot of the time in their week. So what we give is both expertise and both time. Those are the two kind of areas of, of um, let's call it value that an agency can provide, right? We get you your time back and we come in with experts, a team of experts that can do a better job than you did in the first place. That's what you pay us for, right? It all makes sense. It's part of the reason that agencies are kind of so straightforward and beautiful because everyone at the table kind of understands the problem and they also understand the potential set of solutions. If you can deliver upon those and communicate those is a different is a different issue, but everyone kind of gets the stakes, right? And I think some of the results that I'm most proud of uh, are brands that we worked with for two, three, four years who at the end had a big exit. So um, some of the listeners might know, you know, the last couple of years there has been an influx of money into the Amazon space in the form of these Amazon aggregators. And now there's a lot more private equity and other players who are coming in and buying up Amazon businesses. So I can count on two hands, you know, the businesses that we've helped um, get from, you know, here's a small business, here's a guy with two VAs, here's a woman with a small team, her and her husband or something. And then they've grown it to the size where it was really attractive and someone paid them a couple million dollars, or in some cases, more than a couple million dollars to take it off their hands. And now they have life-changing outcome, life-changing wealth. And the reason that they wanted to buy that business is because it was so well-run the advertising was profitable, configured well, they had good products. Uh, so that that's a combination of both, obviously, the client's effort and our effort on the advertising side. But advertising is one of the things that these acquirers and companies will definitely look at because they'll say, is this advertising mismanaged? Are they losing thousands of dollars a week or a month? Or is it actually a contributing thing to their bottom line and is making sure that their exposure is as good as it can be on the platform? Because like we just mentioned, the exposure is really what you're paying for and getting with advertising. So those are some of my proudest um, proudest clients that you know, I give, of course, all the credit to the team for doing the work, right? But people that we've worked with over the years are probably the ones that have these big exits. Um, and then secondarily, just companies that have expanded into different marketplaces. So they start in the US, but now they have a good presence in Canada, Mexico, Germany, UK, which are the two biggest in the EU and having this international presence. They've become like literally international e-commerce businesses uh, starting from sometimes just, you know, a handful of products in the US out of someone's garage. It's a pretty incredible story, really. It's a very modern story too. That couldn't have happened even 20 years ago. And what about your exit? Nothing in sight yet. Just focused on um, maintaining the kind of book of clients we have. Uh, like I said, I'm really focused on marketing and sales. That's what I'm up to these days. Um, I've just finished a whole string of like conference appearances the last month, uh, three different conferences in one month, which was pretty exhausting. Uh, but now for the rest of the year, we're going to be focused on mostly uh, email marketing. We're going to do paid ads. We're redoing the website uh, right now. We're actually working with a, a company that's um, we're going back and forth with designs on. So trying to make it modernized, updated for 2023, 2024, going into next year and trying to make sure that we continually adapt to the changes on the platform because Amazon advertising moves very fast. Amazon as a company makes a lot of their money from advertising now, and therefore they've put a lot of resources on it. They have a lot of very smart people working on it. We have the fortune to communicate with some of those people at Amazon sometimes, and we actually have the ability to give them a bit of feedback, but mostly it's like a train that's moving fast. 
and it's got a lot of cars on it. And it's very heavy. It's not stopping for anything. So it's our job to be in the arena here and constantly staying up to date. I always joke around with some friends of mine. Like if I wanted an easy business, I would start a laundromat, right? People go, they wash their clothes, they dry their stuff, they go home, right? And it hasn't changed for a long time. But Amazon advertising, every three to six months, there's like some new shift or there's some platform that Amazon announces or there's a new initiative or there's a new ad type. So it's something that's simultaneously exhausting, but also exciting about the space, right? It never stops, which is good and bad both. So I'm not really focused on an exit for myself. That's maybe something in the future, but right now just focused on making the business as, as best as it can be and staying up to date on things that move because they move fast. If you want to find out more, you can go to our website. That's www.amzpathfinder.com or amzpathfinder if you're like the rest of the world. Um, you can also go to brent.bike. That's www.brent.bike. That's my personal website. And that also has a link to AMZ Pathfinder, but you can find other things there. And yes, dot .bike is a TLD, like .com or .ie or whatever. Uh, it's just the one I chose for my personal site because I'm a cyclist. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Imagine a space where triumphs, trials, and tales of entrepreneurship come alive. Welcome to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast, a gold awarded journey hosted by Martin Piskorik, connecting with listeners in 95 countries and ranking in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Join our exclusive community, elevate your perspective and embark on the path to success.